I'm going to read from Psalm 127, uh, the psalm that we talked about last week, because I think this is probably an appropriate way to start. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, free gifts to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of their womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let me pray here before we get started. Uh, Father, we are reminded here from Psalm 127 that children are a blessing from you. May we keep that in mind. Uh, maybe I, I pray particularly for those who are watching all 80 of them right now that they would keep that in mind as I'm sure that they are overwhelmed and they are needing a reminder that children are a blessing. And so we do pray that we would be efficient with our time here, but also that we would maximize it and make the most of it. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of talking about children, for the privilege of talking about what it means to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I've been given the joy, the joyous privilege today of talking about discipling our children. And, and trust me, um, to do this in 10 minutes, I realize I'm just scratching the surface, okay? So uh, I, I think there's a couple of things I maybe need to preface this, this, preface this talk with. One is, uh, just because I'm the one giving the talk doesn't mean I have it figured out. In fact, um, far from it. Like, there are lots of things that I'm still trying to figure out, too. And so maybe sometimes there's a tendency to think the one who's giving the talk is the expert. But that's not the case. I'm just one beggar trying to help other beggars find food in this, okay? So uh, I'm a work in progress. I know you are, too. So we're just working on this together. And, and secondly, again, like, this is just scratching the surface, okay? So uh, understand that there's lots more that could be said. And even even if we said everything that could be said, ultimately, as Psalm 127 reminds us, it's the Lord who builds the house, Right? So no matter what strategies we have or what list we come up with, it will not matter unless the Lord builds the house. And so we have to pray. Okay, so uh, let me just preface everything I'm going to say by saying that first. So uh, I do want to share with you today, it's about a guy named Fred Elliott. Just out of curiosity, anybody heard of Fred Elliott? Okay, great. Neither had I until this week. Uh, you'd probably heard of his son, though, Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was maybe the most famous missionary in the 20th century, uh, went with uh, several others, I think it was four others, to South America, and he was killed and martyred for his faith, something that really uh, got a hold of the nation, actually. It was, it was a pretty profound moment where he was willing to risk his life. He had a wife and young kids, and they uh, were left behind. But he was doing this, and his famous quote is, "'He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose.'" And so Jim Elliott is probably the most famous missionary of the 20th century, but few know little about his dad, Fred Elliott. And so this week I stumbled across an article about Fred Elliott and some of the things that he did with his son Jim. And so I thought I'd just pass those along. They were talking about what is it that Fred Elliott did with his son Jim that made the difference. All right, so just four things here from Fred Elliott's life that I think might be helpful for you. Okay, so I'm going to share some from this article and then I'll just kind of insert my own thoughts. So first and foremost... This is what Fred Elliott did with his son. He lived out his faith. He lived out his faith. Jim Elliott said this about his dad. My father's religion is of a sort which I have seen nowhere else. His theology is wholly undeveloped, but so real and practical a thing that it shatters every system of doctrine I have seen. He cannot define theism, but he knows God. Listen, the most important thing about you And I've said this before and I'll say it again. The most important thing about you as a parent is whether you are passionate about Christ. That's all there is to it. 
If you look at the statistics, and when I was in youth ministry, I would read uh, multiple, multiple things just looking at the statistics of youth. If you look at the statistics of which youth grow up in the church and they end up following Christ, by far the number one correlation, and it's not even a close second, by far the number one correlation is, is their parents or are their parents living out their faith in a genuine way. Not in a they-know-theology way. That's the thing about Jim Elliott's father, Fred Elliott, that I think is, is so helpful to think. He didn't know fancy theological terms. His son says he couldn't define theism, but he knew God. And so my question for you is simply this. Are you passionate about Christ? If you want to know, and listen, we know that the sovereignty of God is all over all of this, okay? So understand, praise God, he will take some who grow up in corrupt and bankrupt homes and they will come to know Christ. My story is a little bit of that. Tanya, my wife's story, is certainly one of that. And and listen, there'll be other times where we do everything right and kids still won't know Christ. It's all under the sovereignty of God. But if you're looking for one thing, if you're saying, if we do this well, my kids will follow Christ, it's this. If you are passionate about Christ yourself, and if you are genuine in your faith and you live it out so that your kids see it, they don't just hear a lesson preached, but they see it with their eyes. That is the number one indicator. And so if our goal is to send our kids out into the world and to make a difference, the place where it has to start, I think, is by you looking in the mirror and asking the question, am I living out the faith the way I need to? Am I passionate about Christ? Do I know God? And I I don't just mean that like you have salvation. I hope that's true too. But I mean, are you passionate to the point that your kids would say, oh yeah, my parents, the biggest thing about them is they're Christians. Listen, if, if I were to go ask your kids, what's the number one thing you would tell me about your parents, what would they say? Listen, this is the number one thing, and, and I appreciate so much that Fred Elliott did this, and I, I hope that we do this too, that we would be passionate about Christ. And so where we're not doing this, we need to repent, right? As parents, we need to repent, and we need to say, you know what, we've blown it. And listen, I just want you to know, it's okay to say that we've blown it and that we're not doing what we should. In fact, even this week, I had to have a, a big dinner time table talk where I just admitted to my kids, listen, I'm blowing it. Like, I'm not doing a good job. Will you forgive me? So I'm not saying we're going to be perfect, but I'm just saying, is there a trajectory here where it's unmistakable to our kids that we're living out our faith? That's the number one thing. When I was in student ministry, more times than not, not every time, praise God that he would have some exceptions to this, but more times than not, the kids who are passionate about Christ in high school and beyond came from families whose parents' faith was sincere. Not just lip service, not just church attendance. They were genuine believers. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this about Fred Elliott. He spent intentional time with his kids. Jim Elliott again says this, My arrival at this point is not of my own efforts, but by the quiet, unfelt guidance of a faithful father and a father preacher who had spent not so much time rearing other people's children than he had for his own. Fred Elliott spent time with Jim. Uh, the, art- the author of this article says this, What measures do you take to guard time with your children? Whether you're in vocational ministry, banking, accounting, medicine, law, or any other profession, what time do you make sacred for your family? There will always be another email. There will always be something on the to-do list that seems like it needs to be done. Our children, on the other hand, will remember if dad or mom took time to read them, pray with them, and listen to them. Conversely, if our quality time consists of being physically present, but mentally engaged in answering emails on our phones, our sons and daughters will remember that as well. Listen, there's an old adage that I've heard before that I find to be so helpful in parenting and in that matter of ministry overall. How do you spell discipleship? T-I-M-E, time. If you're going to disciple, if you're going to train up your children, you have to spend time with them. 
You have to. I've heard people say before, well, it's not the quantity of time, it's the quality. But listen, quality of time oftentimes comes from quantity. I'll say this from our own experience. Most of our great conversations have not been when we've been super intentional. Although we try to be super intentional, they've come in the most random moments possible. Uh, One of our most profound conversations ever took place with Noah when we were playing a family baseball game in the living room which may or may not have been a good idea. Tony got hurt, things got broken, but it, like, that's how the conversation actually took place, right? It's because we were just spending time together. It wasn't like we sat down and thought, let's have a deep theological conversation, but Tony got hurt playing baseball, and that's what spurred it on. Like, we had this great theological conversation because of that. So I would just encourage you, spend time with your kids. Spend time with your kids. Quantity leads to quality. You can't always play in quality. That's not the way it works with kids. At least it's not the way it works with our kids. If we try to have an intentional devotional time, sometimes they'll pay attention, but other times they'll be rolling around on the ground or jumping off the bed or hitting their brother or, you know, other crazy things, right? Like, that's how it usually works. But those intentional times come when you least expect it. It's because of quantity of time. So I think we can learn something from Fred Elliott here, that we spend time with our kids. Number three, he prayed for his kids. Uh, Again, Jim Elliott. He's writing to his dad here. He says this, Nothing has had a more powerful influence on this life of mine than your prayers. Thank God you took the time. The value of such is inestimable. Inestimable. I think that's how you say it. Now listen, I know that's not the most earth-shattering thing to, pray, or to, to teach, right? Like It'd be much easier if we just give you a list of 15 things to do. But really, if we believe Psalm 127 is true, we should pray for our kids. We should pray for them. And so parents, let me ask you this. Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying regularly, daily? Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for their salvation? Are you praying they'd be like arrows that are sent out into the world? Are you intentionally spending time praying for them? Listen, if we believe Psalm 127 is true, more importantly, if we believe the entire Bible is true, that God is sovereign, then we will pray for our kids. And so I would just encourage you, if you've gotten out of the habit, or maybe you've never been in the habit, pray for your kids. And if you're already doing that, continue to do so. Lastly, this is what Fred Elliott did that I think made the difference. He made the gospel the main thing. Again, quoting here from Jim Elliott. Fred Elliott sought to show his children the glory of Christ above all else, striving always to avoid legalism or a list of do's and don'ts. What he wanted them to see and what he wanted them to hear is about Christ dying on the cross. Listen, there is one thing that matters in your parenting above all else. It's not even close. Second's not even close. That your kids know Christ. Eternity is built on that. Whether our kids know Christ. That's the most important thing. It may feel like academic successes. Or it may feel like social adjustment. Or popularity. Or extracurricular activities are more important. But they're not. One thing is more important than anything else. Jesus. Do not fool yourself into thinking those other things are more important. The only thing that will matter in the end is if your kids know Christ. And the question is, do our kids see us living that way? Do they see us living that way? Do they see us living like Christ is the only thing? Again, let me quote one more time from the article. Christ's defeat of sin and death is proclaimed as good news. If we continue to proclaim it in such a way to our children and show them why it's good news, perhaps they will follow in our footsteps and live their own lives following Christ, investing in their children and praying for the next generation. None of us will be perfect parents, but by God's grace, we can be purposeful fathers and mothers, and maybe some of our own sons and daughters will shake the gates of hell, much like Jim Elliott did. Listen, 
you probably never heard of Fred Elliott. In fact, unless you're just timid to raise your hand, I would guess by your show of no hands, no one's heard of him. But he's faithful. And listen, they may never write a book about us. They may never write down things that we did that no one may ever interview us to say, what do they do as parents? But you can't be faithful. Right? And maybe someday one of our kids will grow up and, and what they'll do is they'll start discipling their children and they'll pass on to the next generation. And one of them will be the next Jim Elliott who's doing things for the sake of the kingdom that stirs up an entire nation. Listen, let's be those types of parents, okay? Let's, let's be Fred Elliott's or whatever his wife's name was. I'm not sure what her name was. This article is about Fred, but let's be the Elliott's, okay? All right. So that said, let me, let me transition here to a little bit more specific. I want to talk a little bit about Sunday morning or afternoon and how we can prepare for that. So I'm painting with broad brush strokes here about Fred Elliott, and now I want to move in and talk specifically about how we can get our kids ready for Sunday. I think that's an important part of being intentional with our kids. All right. And so, uh, listen, if you are here today, you saw with your eyes, we have a lot of children in this church. Okay. We have 96 from preschool to high school or uh, yeah, I guess from infancy to, to high school. That is a lot of children. And as that happens, and as we're crammed in our spaces, we need to be more intentional, I think, as parents to get our kids ready to come on Sunday. Now, I'll say this. Even if we weren't crammed, and even if we didn't have a lot of kids, we should still be intentional. But I think the fact that we are crammed and the fact that it is getting a little more busy and chaotic, we need to make sure that we're even more intentional about getting our kids ready for Sunday. Okay, so let me just offer several suggestions here. We, we want to make the most out of Sundays. So here, here's one suggestion, and, and maybe the most important. If you want your kids to benefit on Sunday morning, live for Christ the rest of the week. Listen, your kids are not going to think Sunday's an important thing if the rest of the week Christ makes no difference in your life. And so if you want Sunday to make a difference, live for Christ the rest of the week. If you're not living for Christ the rest of the week, and then you say, oh, it's church, it's time to think Christ is important, they're going to see right through it. But live for the rest of the week like Christ is the most important. Secondly, <clears throat> I would say one thing you can do is maybe occasionally have a talk with your kids about why you go to church. You might assume that your kids know why you go to church, but they probably don't. And so you need to remind them, hey, this is why we're going to church. And, and you need to do it in a way that's joyful. Don't be like, this is why we go to church, because we should. Right? That's not, a, that's not, hopefully, if you're in the sermon, you want to go to church to worship God, right? And so we need to remind our kids, this is why we go to church. Uh, thirdly, I would say this, take Sunday morning or afternoon seriously yourself. Again, our kids take cues. Maybe you've heard this before. More is caught than taught. And our kids, they catch from us. They may hear our words. Oh yeah, church is important, but they'll see it with us. And so if coming for coming to church worship services for you is an afterthought, it will be for your kids too. And so if you're serious about it, they'll be more serious about it. They'll know that Sunday is important by the way you act. Uh, fourth, prioritize the Sunday gathering. Listen, if you're erratic in your Sunday attendance, kids will know that Sunday's not important. I saw this all the time in Texas, okay? Texas is a huge youth sports culture. And so we would have kids that would go all the time to Dallas for these leagues, which is, by the way, six hours away. And so they would go and they would miss church. And then they would tell their kids, oh, yeah, Christ is the most important. But their kids knew. And by the time they got to high school, they would even verbally tell me that. They're like, yeah, I know my parents say that Christ is most important, but sports is really more important to them. So listen, your kids will know what's most important by your actions. And one of them is just making it a, a priority to come. Number five, culti- cultivate an attitude of joy in your home on Sundays. Listen, if there's an attitude of excitement and joy from you, your kids will get the clue or they will get the hint, right? If you're excited when you wake up on Sunday to come to church, that will be an exciting thing for them. And so think about that when you wake up on Sunday. Let's be joyful. Let's be thinking expectantly. Let's be excited about what we're about to do. 
And so when you wake up on Sundays, I think I was even challenged by this this week. I want to be more joyful on Sunday so that my kids will see that this is exciting that we get to go to church. Six, be prepared physically. All right, so um, get adequate rest the night before. By the way, a lot of these things I'm saying about things you should do for kids, you could probably do for yourself too, right? So get adequate rest the night before. Get your things ready for kids. Bag, uh, if I think they're in preschool. Bag, pencil, storybook, Bible in first grade. Is that right? And then bag, pencil, Bible in all the other classes. Uh, <clears throat> like physically have those things ready. Be to church on time. All right, and, and listen, think about it this way. Your kids, when they go to school on Mondays, when they go to school on Mondays, do you make sure that they get enough rest the night before school? Do you make sure that they have everything they need when they go to school? Do you make sure that they are um, to school on time? I'm guessing the answer is yes. But if we take a different approach to church and we think that those things are less important, what is that communicating implicitly to our children? Right, so those are just really simple things. Like That's not like reinventing the wheel. But let's just make sure that we take the same seriousness to here that we would to the school. Because... I think I can make the argument, and I think I would be right because I'd be making it from the Bible, that what happens here is even more important. Okay, uh, number seven, ask follow-up questions to your kids. Actually, one of the ways you can get them ready for next Sunday is by taking an interest in what happened this Sunday. So ask them questions. Ask them what they learned. You might get this answer. How was Sunday school today? Is good. Okay. So you're going to have to ask more questions, right? Like, tell me what you learned about Moses. Great. What did you learn about Moses? And then just go from there. Now, sometimes those conversations won't go anywhere. Don't be discouraged. You have kids. That's the way it works, right? If you're a parent, you know that. But sometimes, and again, this is the the, uh, quantity leading to quality, there will be great conversations. And then lastly, I just say this, and I want to close on this. Pray. Pray with your kids. Pray for your kids. Pray with other parents for your kids. Let's pray on Sunday before we come to church. Let's pray when we step in the sanctuary. Let's pray regularly for our children. Listen, I don't know how we could read Psalm 127 and not pray more for our kids. So let's pray for them. All right. Listen, I don't know how long that was, 10, 15 minutes. I know that that's not like revolutionary, okay? But I just want to give you a nudge, all right? I'm just, I'm just trying to be one voice reminding you, live for Christ. And, and I recognize that, that probably this isn't going to radically change everything, but we want to take incremental steps, right? And so the first and foremost thing I would say is, let's look in the mirror this week and ask the question, are we serious about Christ? Are we serious about coming here? And if so, eventually that's going to rub off on our kids, All right, Uh, let me pray, and then I think you're going to be dismissed to, uh, teachers will be dismissed, and then everyone else also. Uh, Father, we thank you for our time together today to talk about parenting. We thank you for our time together to talk about Sundays. We pray, God, that you would just help us to think with gospel-centered minds, that ultimately everything would not be about a list of do's or don'ts, but it'd be about Jesus, what he's done, and about how he is the great hope. God, we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.